1: Head on over to audibletrial.com/slash businessgrowth and sign up for a free trial of audible.com. While you're there, take a look around, check out all of the content, and uh, think beyond audiobooks because there is so much more there for you to enjoy. The Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. And this is because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me for a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. Today is no different. My guest today is James Petrassi. James is a human connection and consciousness expert, advocate for humanity, and author of the guide, Know Your True Self, The Formula to Raise Human Consciousness. A master facilitator and dynamic presenter, James utilizes his experience in talent development, creative strategy, and decades of research into the human condition to offer practical solutions that help transform people's lives. Thanks so much for joining me today, James.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: I'm really looking forward to this conversation because, uh, it I mean, it's always timely, but uh, <laughs> talking about... <laughs> humanity and you know putting that back into leadership i think is especially timely right now right. Uh, and i'm wondering we i'm curious about uh why you think it's important for leaders to lead with humanity
2: yeah um is there any other way to lead and I, <laughs> I think you know it, it's just interesting if you look at like you know, without getting through a huge evolution of how society's changed over the years. One thing's for certain though, and you know, in business, um, I think it's been a challenge in many ways for individuals and organizations to find their way through this drastic evolutionary change that we've really gone through in the past 20 years as we've become, you know, pretty much reliant on tech for everything that we do. inside and outside of the workplace. And in a lot of ways, you know, because of all the advancements in technology and social media, you know, if you walk down the street and you see a lot of people with their heads down in their phone making sad faces, it's completely clear that human consciousness has completely been hijacked, whether we're in denial about it or we're open to addressing it within ourselves. And a lot of these challenges have bled into the workforce. And I think, you know, having spent a lot of time working in in different organizations, you know, as a consultant and also as an employee, um, you know, I've seen a lot of changes as I'm sure you have in business culture. And I think like we've, we got to this point where it was like how fast and how hard can we push ourselves to achieve results and sometimes be unfocused and undisciplined in the process, um, losing our sense of our humanity, our kindness, our compassion, our empathy, our ability to help others, looking out for number one. How do I push people down to elevate myself ab- above others? Um, just a lot of challenges have taken place. And now I think we're at this interesting time where, like, everyone's been looking for, you know, in past years, it was work life balance. And everyone says, well, then it's shifting into work life integration. And now work life integration is a reality. You know, we're sitting in the place where we live, you know, and work. And it's like, you know, our humanity is more important than ever. And I used to always laugh sort of in in business meetings because, you know, someone would come in and sort of act a certain way. And maybe they're being um, demeaning towards others or just rude or obnoxious. And I've always thought to myself, like, do they act that way at home? You know, is, is that is that how they treat their family and their wives, and is that how they inspire their children to be better people? And I think you know, we're at this interesting time where I think we've we've come to the conclusion, um, a lot of us, that like the workplace just can't be managed this way anymore. There has to be a better way, and a lot of that is you know, really the rehumanization of business and employees and processes. Um, to drive efficiencies by being able to direct our consciousness in purposeful and meaningful ways, as opposed to trying to rush as fast as we can to show the world what we're doing. And, and really to focus instead of like, hey, let me show everyone in the world that I'm supporting declu- in, you know, inclusivity, diversity. And instead, you know, maybe we should take a pause as ourselves and organizations and look inward and say, how are, how are we as individuals and organizations treating these, you know, Um, and and looking inward is going to be, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a time where we've all had more of a chance to look inward, but I think organizationally and from an employee perspective, it's, it's going to really shift a lot.
1: It feels like um, there's so much opportunity in that, but it can also be scary, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for people if they, if, if as they do that introspection, they realize that they have not been leading with humanity and they have not been inclusive and they have been um, rude or short or, uh, you, you know, otherwise less than pleasant right. uh, with leading, so to speak, you know, uh, their workforce.
2: Yeah. I mean, looking inward is a challenge for a lot of individuals. And I think that's why, you know, most importantly, just creating frames of reference of how to be human and reeducating people on the importance of humanity. I mean, you know, I know you talk a lot about it directly to sales, but, you know, at the core of the sales process is listening and the core of listening is empathy, Yeah, you know, and just making sure that, you know, and then you build off of empathy and, and empathy is understanding someone's needs. Then you you dovetail that into compassion and and who are the individuals that we need to help and look out for and, and champion and mentor and, and grow. And um, it is scary for a lot of individuals. Self-reflection isn't something that comes natural. And there's so many forces and pieces of media bombarding us on a moment to moment basis that sort of steal our humanity and, and steal our consciousness and somehow make us feel like everything that's going on is wrong when a lot of things that are going on are, are great and there's an opportunity in every piece of adversity and I think just be being aware of that and understanding that you know opportunities like this are the ones that we can grow transform and, and really thrive
1: yeah that that is really interesting because if i look back over the you know the past year and there has been an awful lot of challenge um, it, it to me uh, it always seemed like okay this is a great opportunity for a conversation you know let's explore let's just talk about what we're learning or what we we've come to realize or you know what is truth and yet there are so many people who have it feels like they're um pushing against what is is being uncovered and and almost like they're taking it personally
2: right right and there's a you know when we're in the midst of change change is difficult and it requires reprogramming neuron chains that have been built in our brain about how we believe things should operate and should be and it's a big challenge to navigate that change, and I think there's a lot of, you know, when you think about driving a transformation, whether it's you know being more human in any aspect or just transforming and taking learnings from what we've been going through, um, you know, people are going to start uh, reminiscing about the past. Uh, fear starts to worry about the future, and you know, there's been I've sort of laughed at the at the beginning and onset of everything that we've been through because everyone's like, when will things get back to normal? I'm like, well, normal is what is in front of you right now. This is the reality we're in. Yeah. Wishing what was doesn't exist and the future that isn't written yet. I and mean, that's up to us. So like, let's leverage this and let's take this moment and opportunity to to sit down and reflect on what's working and, and what needs to be changed. But, you know, and you look at it from a, I sort of laugh from like, here's one small tactical thing. It's like, we get so roped up in, in things. It's like, I have so many, uh, you know, colleagues, you know, people in the business community, they're like, oh, I'm so fatigued by Zoom meetings. It's just Zoom meeting, Zoom meeting. I'm like, well, why do you have Zoom meetings for every meeting? Every meeting, you don't need to be distracted by looking at how, you know, 30 different people's domicile looks behind <laughs> them. You can just get on a phone call like we did before because that worked just fine. Now, you might meet someone for the first time in that first meeting. It might be really nice to put a face to the name and have a yeah. real conversation, but, you know, we get so caught up in what's happening that we don't take a step back to really reflect on, you know, what we can learn from these experiences and how we can shift how we do business. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. You don't have to. It's almost as if people give up their control to circumstance.
2: Right. Huh. And, and giving up that control to the circumstance and their choice within that circumstance, everything becomes very reactive in nature. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, um, at all, but you know, I have a presence on LinkedIn because it's for business and Mm -hmm. I've always used social media in some ways. as just a a way to study behavior. (laughs) And, you know, you look at these pulse periods where, the whole world and the whole business community is just shouting about one thing that needs to change. This needs to change. When is it going to change? And like, you know, everyone's showing how they're doing it. This is how we're doing it. This is how we're doing it. Look at us. We're hiring these, we're doing this. It's like, yeah, but what are you doing to change from within? Because you can show and demonstrate that you're meeting the needs of society, but are you walking the walk behind the curtain? And I think that's a challenge for a lot of organizations because to create that change from within doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a month. It's a moment to moment, lifetime commitment of how you want to lead your organization and yourself as a leader.
1: Yeah. And it really, you really have to commit to whatever that is at the very top. It reminds me of early in my um career. Uh, I lived in Detroit and worked with um, for a company that worked with the automotive industry. And it was around the time that Ford came out with quality is job one. Right. And they preached it from the very top, all the way through the organization. And so it, it really was cultural, you know, that the entire organization really Felt it, believed it, you could you could see it in the product. And then so General Motors was looking at it, going, well, we better come up with something. And so they came up with something, but but it wasn't something that they really believed in. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work. And and I remember watching this go on, you know, <laughs> like 30 some years ago and just going, wow, that is really interesting that they're just giving it lip service. And expecting it to, to pan out, but it, it the people at the top don't even believe it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's challenging because when you do look to implement change, I think what happens sometimes is, you know, who's leading the leaders? And <laughs> sometimes the leaders, um, in my experience, don't want to be responsible for creating the change, but they want to reap the rewards of it. And they put mandates on employees at lower levels to sort of usher in this change and to create this behavioral change and, you know, look to the younger generations, the leaders of the future. But if it's not driven from the top, over time, you know, those walls break down as facades and then everyone sort of looks at each other and is like, well, we're all sort of behind this rally cry, but it's not being led from the top. And then these initiatives just sort of fizzle out and, and old ways of working and bad habits come back into play. And next thing right. you know, you're, you're sort of back where you started.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. Only possibly worse because I think then when, when that happens, what, what the employees learn is not to trust what they're being told because there's no, they're there.
2: Right, and it becomes a source of, of disengagement. Yeah, you know? right. Um, and there's a lot of sources of disengagement that happen in, in organizations. You know, it's like, you know, um, and, and it's challenging for employees. And I think, you know, it, it's hard when they see, you know, something that they've bought into preaching one message, then internally, you know, it's like, oh, we believe in inclusivity and freedom and, and, and celebrating people and creating balance, but... You know, unconsciously, leadership can still, at the same token, make people feel like or employees feel like they're bound to their computer at home and have to be on call 24-7 because where else could they be in their life? It's not, you know, it's like, how could they need just a couple hours to take a walk outside, appreciate nature and get some breathing room from their home that, you know, their offices and their family room, and they're listening to their husbands, their children, you know, a lot's been going on. And, you know, it's like, we need to be efficient, we need to drive forward. It's like, yeah, you do need to get those things. And we're not looking about you know, uh, taking away from efficiencies, but creating efficiencies that happen in different ways through new ways of thinking and new ways of working, new ways of collaborating and leading through our humanity.
0: Right.
1: Okay. So, so let's talk about this mindset shift. How can a CEO, uh, you know, leader shift that mindset? So they start leading as humans first and business leaders second.
2: Yeah, I think you know one of the biggest shifts or or you know action items that a leader can take from a business standpoint is really look at you know the purpose of your organization and look at purpose through the lens of humanity and how your organization helps humanity. And in my experience, um, you know, when you look at organizations and onboarding of employees, 90% of its operational 10% of it is foundational cultural knowledge information and, and sometimes those pages, the most important ones, whether it's a company's vision, their mission, or their core values are just sort of like up there on a placard, but not necessarily instilled within how they operationalize everything that they do so you know, I think one is like, you know, start to look at rehumanizing your company, who you are, what you stand for. And purpose is going to be more important than ever in terms of recruitment, because we have a generation of centennials entering the workforce that want stability, want to work for someone that's creating purpose in the world and wants to feel like they're contributing as an active member of society. And then we have, you know, other senior, mid, and mid and senior level people that have been working from home that, you know have realized probably throughout this time that like life isn't just about grinding out work there's a higher reason for being here and and to to be able to rally behind a purpose a vision and a mission not just as words on a page but as here's how we're going to actionize you know make that actionable throughout the organization and here's the tools the processes the training that we're implementing. To make sure that culturally we're living up to the expectations we have for ourselves. Um, um, So I think that's organizationally is rehumanize the organization and second, you know, rehumanize the workforce, I mean. It's part of the reason I developed know your true self, but I think just core principles of understanding your own self awareness, how we're all connected the nature of your thoughts, what are some barriers to your own personal growth. Um, how do I make sure that I'm showing employees that I'm living a virtuous life? That's, that's, you know, holding up to the values of our organization and certain principles like diversity and inclusivity. We need to move beyond the, what, you know, we all know what the problem is, is how do we fix it Well, going back to empathy, compassion, forgiveness, um, gratitude, you know, and just making sure that we're creating forums that aren't talking about the problems but are celebrating the connectivity and i think the more you start to bridge cultural divides by understanding not just what perspectives some employees are coming from but all employees are coming from and really build a fabric um, a cultural fabric that continued to to grow over time i don't know why it just came into my head i thought about cultural fabric it's like you know Every individual that works for an organization is a piece. It uh, represents something on that quilt. And I don't know yeah. why I'm going into quilting right now. But, <laughs> but you know, everyone represents a piece of that quilt, that fabric yeah. that is an organization. And, and everyone has to be celebrated. Everyone needs to be part of that. But in order to do that, you need to help teach them about themselves. And, and right now, you know, we're focused primarily on a lot of skill-based trainings and organizations. A lot of organizations are trying just to catch up with what they think they need to implement to be relevant instead of sustaining those long-term solutions. So then after training the, the organization and rehumanizing that, I think the third step is really, you know, just rehumanizing your business processes. And I know we brought up Zoom calls as a small tactical example, but, you know, efficiency doesn't always come through new technology you know, sometimes we've created so many technologies that we've created barriers to simple things. And I think one of the biggest things right now is collaboration. Um, huh. You know, all these investments in technologies and collaborations and ways to talk to each other, you know, they're great investments. But I think, you know, employers have to be cautious, because sometimes when you create these side conversations that are available they become more of distractions and places for employees to sort of like bitch and moan to each other about what's going wrong when you know just because we can't be in person with each other doesn't mean we can't get together off-site somewhere safe to collaborate being each other's companies and really work on creating new ways to facilitate collaboration, rather than just saying, well, this is the tool we have. This is how we do it. Um, and then in business processes too, I think, you know, the rehumanization also goes back into like, you know, we can't compete with AI. Humans can't. And AI is going to take a lot of jobs in the future because there's certain skills that we're just not capable of performing at, at the level that artificial intelligence can. So. If we can't compete in those areas, where can we compete in our humanity? Because there's certain things AI will never be able to do and that's replicate the human condition and, and unless at some point they're able to take actual consciousness, human consciousness and put it in a machine, but it doesn't look like that's gonna happen anytime soon.
0: <laughs> I mean, I unless you know not. the
2: Terminator <laughs> revolution is upon us and we don't know, but a lot of us are already working for the algorithm and we don't even know it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness, so I'm I'm having flashbacks of you know 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little scary. Oh my goodness. Okay, um, talk to me about uh, leadership personalities. What are those?
2: Oh, interesting. Um, it, you know, I used to teach Jungian personality types, so I guess I'll probably, you know revert back to that, but I look at like, you know, sensors who are driven by control, um, thinkers who are driven by results, feelers that are driven by collaboration, and intuitors that are driven by fun and vision. Um, You know, it's interesting because every type of leader brings their own unique mix of those four quadrants of personality to the table. And then, you know, layer on top of that, whether they're extroverted or introverted, I think for a lot of leaders, it's understanding where their strengths are and where they're deficient and how they can build a cast of characters around them to help fill those gaps, to create sort of a well-balanced, connected consciousness. So, you know, we're not just focusing on the the big brain of one leader, but the connected consciousness of many that are really driving the organization through all different departments and channels, Um, you know, but... Holistically, um, if you take a, a part, those are somewhat fixed traits we're born with, our personality traits. Um, we can grow and develop other aspects and become stronger in them, but generally, our fixed traits are what they are. And I think identifying what those are and, and finding new areas to grow is, is the future for leaders and realizing that once you've become a leader, your journey has just begun. Um, huh. You know, it's leadership is a great responsibility. I mean, yeah, it's like Spider-Man getting the webs. It's like, you're all excited. Oh my gosh, I've been thrust into this position. And a lot of people, you know, get into leadership positions because their work is just that good. You know, they're the ones that are helping close the business. They're coming out with big ideas, but you know, you get put into a leadership position. Now all of a sudden, it's not about my performance. It's about how I inspire others to bring the same level of performance that I'm capable through their own unique skills, talents, personality types, and traits.
1: I'm gonna take a quick sponsor break and then I have some more questions for you. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have thousands of titles to (laughs) choose from, as well as podcasts, Audible Originals, guided meditations, and more. One of my favorite audiobooks is Everyone Deserves a Great Manager by Scott Miller. For me, I love being able to listen to it anywhere and across my devices without losing my place. And I think you will too. So visit audibletrial.com/businessgrowth to explore the variety of audiobooks and programs for yourself. Company Culture starts there with the personality mix of the leader. Is that a fair statement? That Yeah, I
2: think it's fair. I think it's, you know, partly it's through whatever collective leadership team they wow. have that's helping them define what this overarching vision, mission, values, wherever you're directing everyone's collective consciousness in the organization. Here's our our mission, our rally cry. And then, you know, As a leader, I think you just have to understand who you are, what you bring into the table, and then how you round up your leadership team to make sure that you're sort of fulfilling all the aspects that are going to help foster a rich cultural canvas and connected community within your organization.
1: Yeah, right, right. I think a lot of business leaders think that they are the ones who are supposed to have all the answers and all the ideas and and you know that every buck stops here you know everything rests on their shoulders instead of realizing that their responsibility is really to gather all of those resources that um, as you say that then there is a collective consciousness that together creates that momentum
2: and direction and yeah I think of like the orchestra leader you mm-hmm. know um, they're not playing any specific instrument but they're waving the baton and, and making sure that everyone's connected with each other and moving forward and and, and building this beautiful symphony of sound right? right and that collaboration and yeah to think you know if you are in a leadership position one of the challenges to your point about, all right, now all of a sudden, you know, I'm the leader, it's all up to me. There's some challenges that come into there because, you know, if you're so hell-bent, there's a natural tension in life between power, right, and belonging.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and if you're all about exercising your power, you know, leadership can also become very self-righteous. Um, this is the viewpoint to live by. Um if you don't abide by these rules or this way of thinking, then, then you're wrong, you know? And self-righteousness in terms of leadership comes into a little bit of dictatorship, um,
1: right.
2: which makes people feel alienated from a higher purpose in the workplace. It can be a big challenge for a lot of individuals.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think um, that the time that we're in is uh, makes us especially, um, gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? It, it, maybe I'll change the way I'm asking the yeah. question. It feels like the the time that we are in provides us with an incredible opportunity to really look at our organizations from different vantage points, because you know things have. Um, had to change, Now they had to change suddenly for a lot of organizations and there was a flexibility and an adaptability that had to happen. And to me, it sort of feels like that, um, you know, we could take that as like a springboard to say, okay, you know what, let's just take a look at this entire enterprise and how we are doing things.
2: Yeah. And I think one place that's great to start is, is just, you know, the pulse of the people in the organization yeah, and really taking time to listen and assess and whether you want to call them. I mean, the reality is mental health is a huge challenge facing America right now. Um, And it's bleeding into the workplace. And this is, you know, mental health beyond, you know, physical brain damage and, and challenges that people face with their mental to everyday people are struggling, you know, and we often don't take time to actually know what's going on in the lives of our employees, but that's more important than ever because without understanding those circumstances, how can we create solutions for the future, you know, to understand, you know, what's it felt like working from home? What challenges are you facing personally and professionally? Like, how are they changing your perception of how work needs to be done and i think just really you know getting a getting that pulse and and then from that learning and before you start just creating solutions tapping into that you know uh, collective consciousness and seeing where it is and then you know this is something that i think you know if done properly a whole organization can rally behind and really become united in a way that's stronger than never before. And departments can figure out ways of working that work for them. And, you know, right now it's like, you know, it's like, is it flex hours? Is it being in the office half the time and not half the time? I I think this isn't the issue at hand. This is, this is, should we have a Skype call type issue? (laughs) Like we're, we're not focusing on the big picture. We're focusing on some of the the operational stuff, which seems somewhat trivial because it's those types of challenges and, and ways of working are going to be completely different for every type of organization based on how they're servicing their clients and, and helping you know humanity and service the world through their offerings, products, and services.
1: Right, right. Um, this is, so, I just, it's so interesting for me because I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, about, um, you know, companies that I know and, and leaders who I know who um, struggle with this kind of thing, you know, that they, they think that, uh, first of all, I, I, you said something earlier about, you know, the mission vision ends up being a placard on the wall. And I think that is happening in so many organizations where it is not something that is ingrained in, the organization and the behaviors and the goals and everything about an organization, but the leadership sits there and says, well, everybody knows what the mission is. We've told them, it's like, okay, but are, are we exhibiting it? Are we having a conversation around it? Or is it the sign on the wall that as they walk in, they're totally ignoring?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, you know, I think the bottom line is and the the silver lining is is that you know this is the time to transform and before um if you talked about transforming an organization you know you've seen a lot of leaders that have pioneered new ways of thinking over the past few years and and seeing those changes and progressive organizations that really celebrate all walks of life and and are really purpose driven in all the actions that they do and those are the few like those are the five yeah. percent and the 95 percent who are old dusty companies been around a long time or maybe have been around just 10 years but haven't really freshened up who they are or looked inward in a long time there there isn't going to be a chance like this in evolutionary history until we have another crisis now that could happen at any time you know we're not impervious to, to other things happening to us but um, if we don't capitalize on this now yeah we're gonna miss out and I think the challenge for an organization is if you don't go through a transformation and you don't take the time to rehumanize the workforce create purpose and truly weave the fabric of a, a culture together, you're really just gonna be absol- you know, obsolete. And then over time, you're just going to be irrelevant. It's gonna be hard to get great talent and it's gonna be hard to, to keep the talent you have because there's gonna be plenty of opportunities for people to have more balance, flexibility, purpose. And overall, they can make the choice on how they wanna live their life because there's gonna be plenty of employers that are opening to giving employees what they truly need um, in terms of connectedness. Mm-hmm well-being and and uh, overall enjoyment of the workplace. It's another thing I've never understood why work, you know, part of this old school way of thinking is like, for some reason, when we go into the workplace, I don't understand why everyone looks serious and angry. <laughs> you know, It's <laughs> like, like, oh, we're here for this meeting. So we all have to like put on this face like we're really, I'm like, aren't we here because we're highly skilled and we solve problems and we love <laughs> collaborating and we love working together? What are all these personas we're putting on? And those personas are us blocking our humanity, right? There are workplace personas that when I get into the workplace, I just tell people to get it done. (laughs) It's like, okay, you know, like if that's the persona you want to have, but let's look at your humanity because your humanity can probably rally people a lot stronger than this false sense of identity that you've created about yourself and who you are in the workplace.
1: Okay, but I, I have a question for you. Yeah. Earlier in this conversation, you said um, something about is this how these people are behaving at home? You know, maybe. Are they...
2: Maybe. Okay. <laughs> are they? And they could be, and they yeah. could be, and I think you know that's another challenge. Is you know, um, you know, probably when they are at home. They might be disengaged from family members, from friends. Their head might be in the phone all the time. They might be worried about work constantly. I mean, there's a lot of challenges before COVID that I saw in, in the workplace with, you know, a lot of individuals that I've worked with and, and how they navigate life. So I think going back into that work-life integration, you know, those walls might become a little bit stronger and stiffer in the workplace than they were at home because, you know, you're not at risk of hurting the feelings of someone that's really close and important to you, but you can really let it loose when you get into the office, you know, <laughs> sort of like, let it fly. Um, you know, but there's a lot of retraining that needs to happen there too. Um, you know, we're in a constant state of stress, you know, I think one of those stresses is I talked about technology hijacking consciousness, like, it's not just social media addiction, it's like, our addiction just to checking the phone, you know, you're checking the phone, I think that on average, an American checks the phone, like, you know, 15 times, um, I think, like, every two hours, and nine of those times they're exposed to things that are happening in the news, those messages are 99% negative. So it's also to understanding, I think, when to unplug from tech and replug with people, you know, um, plug back in with the people around you. And, and I think that's a challenge for everyone. And and it's a challenge to, you know, for a lot of individuals, it's a challenge to turn off the phone at dinnertime. It's a challenge to not look at the phone first thing when they wake up and instead just have an enjoyable breakfast with their family. You know, it, these are small things that can make a big difference, but are all part of a larger conversation about, you know, regaining our humanity.
1: Exactly. Well, I can tell you that um, there came a point where I realized I had to get off of Facebook because it, it was making me angry and miserable yeah. and it really does take over how you feel about everything uh, you know I mean I still pop on there periodically but I, that that constant you know scrolling and reading what people were saying and and whatnot and when I got off of Facebook I felt lighter
2: yeah yeah um you're you're free with your connection to the universe and around you and, and to actually be able to enjoy and embrace the moment that you're in without having the thoughts, opinions, perspectives of strangers, brands, so-called friends, acquaintances, um, news sources, just bombarding you. It's we're not programmed to be able to handle that. And essentially, you know, the reward center of our brain is built on the neurotransmitter dopamine. And every time there's an alert on your phone, it creates a dopamine trigger of a reward, but there's no actual reward. It's just the promise of a reward. You know, (laughs) even if you get that, like, how come I don't have another like, and all of a sudden (laughs) you're the rat in the experiment that keeps hitting the lever and shocking itself. And eventually you're laying next to that lever, that phone and complete You know, confusion of why everything feels wrong to you in the world, because that's not the world. That's not the reality. The reality is the moment you're in, the conversations you're having, and the people that are around you, and how you're working together to enjoy life, solve problems, or work through challenging solutions together. Um, And and that's where the harmony comes in. And, you know, and, and, you know, right now, if you look at like the workforce, it's, you know, I always, before this happened too, I know I've talked about the, the um, uh, Zoom calls, but I've always thought it was interesting, you know, going into big meetings and here there's 30 of us, we're here for a workshop and everyone's got their phone in front of them and their laptop up. And I think, you know, The purpose right now is to not make everyone feel like you're really busy and getting work done. The purpose is for all of us to be together and and work together and solve problems, but we're looking for that next trigger unconsciously. We don't even know it. When's the next email coming in? I need to make sure I respond to emails. I need to make sure I have my phone on. I need (laughs) to, you you know, you don't don't have to do that. You're, you're, You're unconsciously being programmed to do that. And then, you know, if, if you ask a lot of people that do have heavy addictions to cell phones or uses, they're in a point in their life where they're so invested in in working for the algorithm that it's hard for them just to put their phone down. So, you know, there's certain things I think organizations can do to help train individuals on creating even a balance within that cycle is like, you know, I thought a great opportunity. One of this is, you know, I've worked with an organization before that had no cell phones in meetings, and certain things are hard to implement because you're in a meeting and no one knows what time it is because no one has a a phone. Because they don't have
1: watches. Yeah, so
2: every meeting's going like 15 (laughs) minutes over. But I think, you know, just making sure that if you do have a company and you can do it, say like, hey, we're going to implement no emails have to be responded to or expected to be responded to past 7 p.m if that's what works for your organization, that could be a great way for people just to feel like they're not on call all the time or have to respond. And those are small operational things and business processes that can make a big difference in employees' lives.
1: I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was, I was thinking about that very thing that it, it really isn't difficult to let people know that you expect them to disengage you know, that you don't expect them to be available all the time. And and people who, one of the things I've noticed is that what people don't realize is when they're available all the time, they're teaching other people that they're available all the time. So it works against you in so many ways, psychologically, but also if then you aren't there when someone is expecting you, it, that can have, all sorts of negative ramifications, too. So it isn't necessarily what's best for the organization for people to always be available or always be on.
2: Yeah. And that always on, too. Like, I don't know if it does it as much now as it did a year ago, but, you know, in the midst of hardcore hustle culture, it was like a bragging right, you know, you pull an all nighter. And I'm, I've been victim to it myself. You know, it's like, <laughs> you you take pride in the fact that you're not living a a balanced life that you're this dedicated, that you're so focused, you don't have anything else to do. But you know, what happens is you get a lot of short, strong sprints instead of a well-paced marathon. And when you're running a business, you need to make sure that you're not burning people out by making them sprint and jump and do all these exercises on the drop of a dime, but making sure that you're having, you know, uh, in, in this marathon of business you're celebrating the milestones the mile markers the checkpoints encouraging each other helping each other realizing when someone needs to go to the medic tent and rehydrate you know like <laughs> we need to take care of each other in this process and, yeah. and also to just knowing what's going on behind the curtain in their life because you know there's always been this sort of uh, I think uh you know, separation between life and work and, you know, what happens in someone's personal life doesn't matter. But now it matters more than ever. Um, Because now I know if someone has a daughter at home, and she's sick, and they need attention, we can say to that, that woman, who is our employee, you know what, like, we don't expect you to be on call at all right now. You let us know when you're available. We'll help you through this next week. Instead, we're putting so much added stress on this individual that there is a big fear, a big fear that if I'm not available, I will be fired. Whether that fear is, is, is reality or whether it's a false belief and probably it's a false belief, but we believe it. I mean, as, as employees, it's, it's sometimes feels like we've, you know, put people in situations where they're sort of walking on this tight rope Mm -hmm. and they don't know if, you know what's going to make the bottom drop out what what action they they do that to them might just be some simple personal thing they need to take care of
1: seriously and and that level of stress and vibration isn't going to help them be more productive
2: no no and because of that you know now all of a sudden we're having you know all these different phone calls, collective calls. Like, you know, we're not we're not maximizing the, um, you know, individual or collective purpose by any means. We're just creating more work, more meetings, more yeah. challenges, and we're not we're doing ourselves a disservice in the long run. But you know, to take a step back though, and to to understand your team, the situation employees are in, and and how to navigate it is. You know, it takes as a leader, like, you know, it takes trust. And if you hired these yeah. people to do their job, then trust that they're going to do their job, that they don't <laughs> need to be sitting next to their desk all day. And sometimes what could take one person in two days to do, another person can accomplish that in a few hours. If they accomplish it in a few hours, let them free, you know, <laughs> like say, say, thanks for all the hard work. You know what? Just take Friday off. It's not a big deal. And, we're not here to babysit employees we're here to to leverage their skill sets and to help bring value to the organization
1: well that's one of my favorite things is and i'm so glad that you said it is we hire people because we think they're going to be able to do the job so we have to go let them do the job right you can't micromanage them it, it's it's so counter uh productive and intuitive it, it is the weirdest thing but to, i i i I, I wanna stick on this, um, well, around this idea of you know burnout and things have been a different level of stress, I think over um, the past year or so. I have felt like there has been more humanity and more grace being given to people because there, what has been going on really has impacted the collective. You know, everyone is experiencing something challenging yeah. through, through all of this. And so I have noticed people seem to be, you know, a lot more forgiving and graceful and, and understanding and, and all of those things. Um, but for those people who, you know, are, are feeling that things are compounding and maybe the leadership in their company is not stepping up. Uh, with that level of uh, care and, and humanity, how, you know, what suggestions do you have for how they can work through those stresses and prevent that burnout? Is it, you know, getting up and going for a walk?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at a well-balanced life and and you look about what your goals are and if you're feeling burnt out, you know, what are you doing from a physical standpoint to keep yourself in balance? Are you just making sure that you're getting 20 minutes in the morning and some alone time spiritually? Are you taking time to meditate for just five minutes a day instead of using social media from a career standpoint? um, What goals can you set with your boss on something that you're looking to achieve to making feel like you're growing within the organization you're part of Um, your social goals i think taking a look at you know who you're spending time with uh, making sure that at this time you're really focusing on family and close friends and good support systems and then from talent development outside of your career development what are things that really light you up as an individual do you love riding bikes? Do you love painting? Have you always wanted to do poetry? And making sure that you're looking at yourself from a holistic standpoint and finding areas of what your life where you might feel deficient, because right now you might be dedicating 80% of your time between your you know, family because they're around you all the time. They've become your social network and your work. And the other 10%, you want to read more, but you never really have picked up the book. You want to paint more, but you don't have time and and finding out how to bring more balance to the ecosystem that is you, Um, you know, and then in turn, I think part of it is also too, having, you know, if your boss is not having honest conversations with you is maybe just ask for an open conversation and say, hey, you know, I'd love just to set, I know a lot's going going on in the past year we've been fast and furious i'd love to sit down with you and talk about sort of my goals for the future what i'm trying to achieve in terms of balance and figuring out ways that i can best serve the organization and use them as an advocate to help you and i think sometimes if you do that outreach at least it elevates it to them of the importance to you and you can probably put an action plan in order that feels like it's serving the business. And they'll appreciate that, but giving insight into your own personal needs as well.
1: Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I love that. That is really great.
2: It's a challenging time. I mean, I, I, I have to say it's, it's, um, you know, we, we, it's in some ways, you know, we're getting closer to the light, I feel like. And other times I feel like we're digging ourselves deeper into the darkness without even knowing it. (laughs) And, you know, a good example is, is Ford, bring up Ford again. I think like it was a week or two weeks ago, Ford announced, you know, how they were gonna handle working. And I think they had a great solution. And it's, it's a big picture one. And it's like, we're gonna let people work from home. We're gonna transform offices into highly collaborative areas, and you know, in doing that, they're gonna train people new ways of thinking, working together, idea generation, and they're sort of, you know, it seems like in their own model have found a way to to really, um, you know, give the ownership to the employees and the departments and have trust in them while creating a, a new organizational way of thinking that, you know, will evolve as, as we need to evolve based on this, this current time.
1: And it really is rising to the occasion. It, you know, it's saying, okay, it's a new normal. Who knows how long it's gonna last or, or what's gonna happen. So let's just meet it. It's yeah. just, you know, so, so many people like wait to see what's going to happen instead of saying okay you know what we, we just have to push forward we just have to figure out how we can best manage this situation and and have something good come out of it
2: yeah yeah and um taking the time to pause and reflect on that and and asking yourself the right questions as a leader an employee as a team leader yeah it's it's um it's where the the true opportunity lies, and this is the time of transformation. And you're right; it is, you know. Sometimes I can go down into you know the challenges we face, but you know, you bring up a good point. It's during times of crisis; it's the compassionate nature, the ability to help each other, regardless of any type of belief systems we might have. The differences we have with others go away in times of crisis, and humanity helps humanity. Um, you know, it's beautiful to see that. And we need to make sure that, you know, we don't just do it from a one off standpoint, but we do it from a holistic standpoint and making sure that, you know, that that rally cry of helping each other just cascades and, and, you know, fulfills the future of, of what's in store for us in the workplace. It's, it's an amazing time. I'm, i I think of all the things I've experienced in life, this has been one of the most remarkable experiences I've ever had. I mean, it, boy, no kidding. It sh- it should be for everybody and and yeah. to learn from it and grow from it. I mean, this is not about work, but it's just something that's always on my mind when when everyone was on lockdown. Everyone in the world. Yeah. Everyone in the world was focused on helping humanity. Yeah. And by doing that and staying home and protecting our own well-being, the earth mm. began to heal itself. And everyone was like the earth has stopped vibrating. From all the man made machines and tools. And I thought, you know, why didn't we use this time to learn that we should just give the earth a month off a year? We should all take a month off, a break, a month off lockdown and spend time with our friends and just be grateful for the gift of life and then go back to work. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, obviously no one wants to shut down, but that would heal the earth, but we choose right. to do it. So that's a big macro learning. Now, how do you take a macro learning for your organization and how do you heal your organization? Because I know all organizations, no matter what business you've in, we've all experienced trauma. And the trauma could be we've had to lay off employees. We've had to shift from producing clothing to making masks. We've had to reevaluate um, you know our goals as an organization. We're losing partners. A myriad of problems for everyone, right? But you know what are we going to do with that, and and, and how are we going to learn from it?
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I I hope we learn long term lessons from it because you know there's silver linings in everything, and that would really be uh, an incredible silver lining. And James, I really this. Thank you so much for this conversation. I so appreciate it and, and the work that you're doing. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can get your book and anything you've got going on that they need to know?
2: Yeah, um, you can connect with me on on LinkedIn. Um, I think if you just type in the search bar, James Petrassi, and I'm the only one. Um, and then if you wanna check out my website, uh, ptnl.com and then my book, Know your true self. The formula to raise human consciousness is available um, at all major retailers, uh, and it can be found there as well.
1: Awesome! Thank you, boy. Uh, you know, a, a conversation for the time, but also for any time. See, also that the other good thing about it is it, it's it's evergreen. Uh, so once again, thank you, and listeners, thank you. Uh, this year who we're doing this for, and, and I think this was uh, tremendously valuable. I'd also like to thank audible.com, head on over to audibletrial.com/business Growth, Sign up for the free trial and go exploring. Take a look around, see all of the incredible audio content that is there for your enjoyment. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.
2: Somewhere out there, there's a man on a park bench eating his 500th PB&J. He has no idea Papa
1: John's has new papadillas that are way better than a boring sandwich. With Papa John's best meats, cheeses, and veggies hand-folded into a crispy flatbread crust.
2: Someone better tell that man. Get a new Papadilla in one of four flavors for just six bucks. Better
1: ingredients, better pizza, better than a sandwich. Papa John's. Not valid with discount fees, and taxes. Extra prices may vary.
0: This message is sponsored by Amazon.
1: I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies. Making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laugh. laughs.
0: COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel. But now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council.